Welcome to the Life Beyond the Lens podcast, the podcast where we talk to artists about the things that push them, motivate them, and inspire them to create. What's going on, everybody? This is Ken Nelson, the host of Life Beyond the Lens. Thanks for uh, tuning in to this episode. And I'm excited to have this guy on, man, this episode. We go back a little bit, uh, a long bit. You know, we didn't really cross paths in high school. You didn't even go to the high school. And I thought this was a funny thing. I thought you did. We're going to get into that. But um, Emery Lawrence, we got Emery Lawrence on the show. He's an actor um, out of Detroit. And just really quick, I'm going to go through his bio really quick, and then we're going to get into the conversation. So Emery is from Detroit. Um, he has over 15 years of experience in film, television, theater, and commercials. Uh, he was professionally trained in Cape Town, South Africa, and currently at Richard Lawson Studios in North Hollywood, California. Um, he lived in L.A. for a decade and then decided to come back to Detroit and pick back up the same friends he initially started acting with in, in, uh, in, in back in 2005. Um, he wanted to create independent film projects for the world to see. Um, you know, he has a passion for acting and uh, creative expression, and he spends time building his dream mentoring organization called Teach One, Reach Two, which specializes in mentoring young boys and men from fatherless homes. Emery, man, what's going on? Man, what's up? No, that's funny. You uh, And thank you. Thank you. Man, I, I'm always. It's always a pleasure, man. You, you you put out quality and just the genuine nature that you have, man. That's why we always click. Our energies mesh well, and it's positive. So, thank you. No, oh, thank you, bro. And um, no, that story is funny. Where you, you uh, you got the green and whites mixed up from the. <laughs> <laughs> so so i went to cast i always thought emory i always thought you went to cast because i would just see you in the pictures of all the dudes that went to cast yeah see i knew Maine, sam richardson i, I knew a lot of those cast yeah guys. yeah so it's hilarious when we met up recently i'm like yeah man i was telling somebody that he went to cast too and you were so gracious you were like yeah yeah nah man i didn't go i didn't go to cast man i didn't go to cast afterwards i wish i, was <laughs> I, wish. I used to have to oh, drop man. my boy off who lived across the street and Y'all look like Beverly Hills, man. Like it was, it was crazy. It was out of people pulling up in cars that my mother didn't even have, and then I went to Crockett. So, oh, yeah, Crockett, yeah, that was and Crockett wasn't too far. Um, yeah, it was like a, a, like a little over a mile. Yeah, that trailer, you know. Yeah, so yeah. That and then go to my school. I, I used to be mad every day. When <laughs> man, look, cat, like they when they um. Tore that, tore that old one down and built that new one. Yeah. I was jealous when I went up there and visited, man. Oh, it's I was cool. like, man, they spoiled these new kids. They spoiled, man. But you know, we, it was, fu it's funny because what, what, what was your major in high school? In high school, just college prep. So like preparing me for engineering. That's it. So yeah. that you, when you came out, you worked yeah. in corporate. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So when I, well, initially starting off when, when I went to Michigan State. So coming out of, coming out of, there going to Michigan State, I started off with uh, computer engineering, then switched to electrical, tried mechanical a little bit. And now when I got to Calc 2 and all them chemistry classes, I was like, I'm not going to make it. I wouldn't prepare. <laughs> so, and I wanted to party. So, I mean, it, it was like I had to make a decision. So, I switched over to media arts, telecom, and everything. So, it's so crazy to me that. I'm in front of the camera, but in college, I learned a lot of stuff from behind the scenes. So it's it's pretty cool. So wait, you were in MSU because I went to MSU too. Yeah. I was there from 98 to, well, you know, I I was supposed to graduate, what is that, 98, 99, so the two, 2002, but 
I left and I was I was partying a little too much and I was just was like I'm I'm good I, I want to go to LA I was like I'm about to go to LA and act because I was a theater major in high, in high school okay and so I was like I want to go to LA and act I never left you know I just stayed around Lansing working yeah. on working and stuff and and I went back to school but I graduated with a master's in 2007 but you were at MSU what years were you there I was there from so in row 98 though three and then I stayed up there until probably summer in 04 and then I moved back to Detroit. Dang it, we never crossed. We were in the Commerce building. Yeah, that, that, that's what I'm saying. We were in the Commerce building for sure when we took our like core classes or whatever and just, I didn't utilize it as much either, man. Like I, I've taken kids up there on tours from high schools and walking through that building, I was kind of walking through like, I didn't take advantage of these. Yeah. None of this, none of this camera stuff. Like what it? Like I, I was just, I was, I was blown away that I was that ignorant at that age to not capitalize on that outside of class assignments. You know, but right. it is what it is. Yeah, that's what happened to me, man. Like I, uh, when I was there, because that you don't, you know, you don't really start taking those real classes until junior year. Really. Yeah. Yeah. And so like I, I got kicked out pretty much. I said kicked out. I I'd stopped going to classes like um it was my sophomore year. Yeah. I pretty much stopped going to classes and I was skipping. I was just partying and playing video <laughs> games and right. and um but I you know I left for like two years. I was I got kicked out on academic probation. And man praise God that when I decided to come back, I was after two years, I was just working around doing all kinds of crazy jobs. Uh-huh. And then uh, I decided to come back and they was like, you supposed to go, I was supposed to go to like a community college to prove that I was academically sound. Oh, wow. And, but then by the grace of God, man, I got in, they just, they let me back in to the university. Oh, wow. And um, I was focused. Like you say, you know, when you didn't really utilize it and that's why when I came back, I'm like, I gotta utilize um, this, the resources. And and a lot of a lot of it I did outside of class with just people around the college, like professors and stuff. And so, but you know what I'm saying? What what I find interesting though is like, so you were you you went from engineering to media. So what what made what what was that? What was your interest in media? Well, I've always I've, I've liked TV production and telecommunications and everything, but I'm gonna be honest, man. I switched over because I knew I wouldn't have to study as much. So. <laughs> Like I was literally like setting my life up to accommodate, you know, like the fun I was having because I didn't do nothing in high school. All I did was play sports. So getting up there, it's like, oh, you know, like, so yeah, I literally just went to that because a lot of my boys were in that uh, major and they told me how the classes were. And I was like, that ain't not, that's a cakewalk compared <laughs> to engineering. Like, let me go over here. So when I, when I transferred over, but I started to, it started to open up something though. I will give it that. Like it gave birth to that, that slight desire of like creativity. Like I, I didn't know what it was in me. I knew it was always like, a, but it exposed it and it brought it to the surface once I got close to it. So what was your first um, acting thing that you did? Was it in college or, or after? It was in 05. That was after college. Um, okay. And what was that? That was a play called, uh, Love is a stage play. And I, one of my boys was actually going out for a role and he told me about the audition. He's like, roll with me, man. 
You should um well he didn't even tell me I should audition. I mean we're not even we're not close like that anymore, our friends. So I go I see this setup and I was just kinda like, This is dope, man. Like they really are like treating y'all like like, hey, next. Uh calling names and, and it was real professionally set up, you know, and it was at that coffee shop that used to be on Woodward. Um I can't remember. It was like a I think it was black owned too, but it was right off of Woodward and it wasn't a major chain. And I don't know if there right now, but it was like going closer to Warren. But um, so he auditioned and one of the ladies, you know, I'd already knew she went to Michigan State as well. And uh Pam Mercado, actually. I don't know if you know her, but yeah, no, I don't know her. Well. And um she was one of the writers. So they were like, Do you want to read for this part? I was like, not no, nah, I'm just here uh, supporting my boy. Then I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, so they gave me the paper. Of course, I was nervous, but I was actually relentless. Like when you go into something that blind and ignorant, it's kind of like, what? Like just remember this page? All right, cool. You know, and it, I went down the hallway, read it, came back in, um, auditioned. And before we left, it was like, yo, you got the part for this role. But my boy didn't get the part that he auditioned <laughs> for, so that's why I was kind of like, "Damn!" Like, and he he taking it seriously, you know. So that turned into uh, the play. It's called "Love Is." It was written by Redman and Pamela Mercado, and yeah, it was it was a play about different scenarios of love. So like the couple that argues all the time. And to me, I was playing the Playboy because that's back when I thought I was, you know, I thought I was so good with the earrings and everything. Um, playing the Playboy who got his heart broken. Then you had the guy that um, was in a, a gay relationship. Then you had the girl who couldn't find a man that was in the church. So it was all these aspects of love all tied in one. And then that's what it was called love is because at the end of the day, it's love can be kind, love can be. Uh, distracting love can be well you know so it just a line of these logical reasons of what love can be in people's lives so it was cool man it was cool so this is your first time doing a stage play any type of acting period but a stage play any ever man stage is crazy though because i mean talk about that because i grew up on stage man and like the first time you you step up there and you got the feedback from all from the audience and and was that mm-hmm. was you nervous or or did you just fall in and was it did it come natural to you well i fell in line but i think the good thing about back then is i was hungry for it because at that point you know going through rehearsals and everything and it's like like everybody says when those lights hit you it's kind of like wow like this is raw and i feel vulnerable but i don't i feel comfortable you know and just, just learning the different terminology. I know a lot of people went to school for it. That's why I respect anybody doing theater, man, because all the projecting and remember that you have to be at an angle. Don't ever turn your back audience. You know, there was so, so much stuff that came with it, but it was interesting. But the one thing I will say is I like the cast and also the audiences that viewed the play because they me very smoothly. Because in my mind, I was like, I sucked. I know I did. You know, it's kind of like, I didn't know any better. I know it probably sounded choppy when I did certain lines and just my whole overall energy. But I guess the only thing that was going for me was I felt confident. So a lot of people told me, yeah, you did great. That was amazing. You know, and 
I, I saw it on the actual CD or after it was, I saw the film version. I was like, all right, I respect y'all. Like, <laughs> you did that to make me feel good. I know that was my first production, but the one thing I do like about theater is kind of like sports. Every component works together to tell that story. There's no one person that just blows, you know, like the screen away or something like that. Like, that's just raw. And we all working together, fine tuning that bigger picture. Yeah. 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 So then when you when you did that one, the second thing that you did, was it like you say, OK, I saw that. I saw it myself on the tape. Yeah. I could do better. Was it like that competitive? Like you said, you play sports. Was it like that thing? Or was it like, OK, let me do this again. I could do better. Let me let me get this another go. Oh, yeah, you was, like that was it was like that. Oh, it was it was let me get better. You know, and it was on the second go round. That's when my boy, one of the guys that I was saying, I came back to work with and, and actually create these independent projects, Kamal Smith. Uh, him and Dez Cortez, but Kamal had taken it upon himself to write his own stage play. That fire got lit under him, kind of like, I could do this. You know, like, I actually could make this a career. So when he wrote his play, all three of us were in it and a few other cast members. And then you can see the growth in all of us. And that's what I liked. I, I, I'm, all, I'm all about, like, the turtle in the race, man. Like, all that speeding to the finish line stuff, you miss a lot of learning lessons. So with that, time around we were all comfortable we were all best friends at that point and we developed that bond and it showed on stage so you saw the difference in the first to the second and yeah it just went on from there man and so this was after you came back from la so this is no this is that was the first one was in 05 that second one was in like oh six oh seven and in between that i moved to new york okay because i was i was modeling as well so i kept hearing that you should model and act and all this stuff so i moved to new york uh for a little over a year and a half and during that time i would come back and, and rock with my guys you know so i was getting a taste of that realness in new york and kind of like actually able to feed that to my characters on stage as well. So I was just trying, I was growing like maturely in my mind and also just in my physical craft as well. So then New York, so you said, so you just strictly did modeling in New York, no acting? Or you did I did. No, nah, I went on auditions, but yeah, you learn real quickly out there. Like you, you got to put in that work. Yeah. And, yeah. But the beautiful thing about New York is moving out there, I was able to, I was working with BET. So I was a production assistant. So I was putting my degree to use, mm -hmm. you know, with BET, trying to make connections. And then on the flip side, I was in this new world that I was venturing into that I knew nothing about, but I was curious and I felt like I fit into it. But yeah, I quickly learned, I'm not, I'm not a fashion model though. Like that's <laughs> not my thing. I don't care about clothes that much, you know? So I learned that the, uh, the acting side was more my gig because it's a shift into different characters, different mindsets versus walking into the fashion capital where these guys got it a lot. They've been modeling for years already and this is what they want to do. I was like, I'm a supermodel. So let me step outside of that. And that's when I moved to LA. To LA, that's right. So, so talk about LA, you're out there for 10 years, man. So talk about, the LA, because I, because again, I hear success stories. I hear people that have been out there and nothing happened for them. They had some stuff and, and it's like they, they were struggling with it. Um, and I know it could be difficult. 
Um, so talk about that. So the, man, I, what I give LA is I give LA kudos for, I guess, showing you that the struggle is necessary. So it's like, I never called it a struggle or like I'm a struggling actor. It was just more so like, Hey, I'm, I'm walking somewhere. Yeah. I might be hitchhiking or, you know, like subliminally, but it's like that moment, those type of moments, that's what help you grow. You know, like all those failed moments. And I mean, the only thing, the only drawback I would say about LA is, is it is more clickish than New York. So I saw the difference immediately in New York. You can meet a stranger and then audition upstairs, man. You just came from that one. Cool. You should go to that one. That one's for Sean John. Boom. In LA, people are like, they can see you actually motivated going in the right direction and they won't give you a sprinkle of game to just be like, yo, you should holler at us because if that's what you're trying to do, they might be able to help you more. I mean, just see what happens. In LA, somebody could have access to an audition that you fit the description of more than they do and they'll be just tight-lipped with it. And then wow. it'll come up later like, dang, I should have told you about that Will Smith stunt double gig, man. I forgot. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I got so much of that where it was just like, oh, and you look like Tay Diggs. So why wouldn't you tell me about that immediately? So it's like, we look completely opposite. Clearly, we're not competing. Right. Let's just share the wealth. But LA was cool, man. It was 2007, 2017. And while out there, experienced a lot of life, man. So doing background work, some modeling work. Uh, being on these huge sets, you know, as an extra, learning the game, seeing the camera positions, like, oh, man, they did that in class. I, I remember he was saying you got to get that that wide and then punch in, you know. So it was just mm -hmm. certain stuff. It was starting to make sense and click on those sets. So I enjoyed being on set because I was broke in a mug, so I could eat all day. <laughs> so I was on at work. So I, I had to worry about buying food. I can learn some game and meet a bunch of cool people and just my network and just moving along, man. And then I decided to go to corporate, work corporate, ended up getting married while I was out there. Um, and worse now, but I got, you know, the marriage started out there, but just literally couch surfing auditions and really grinding it out and learning the game man, and trying to take classes in between all the emotions that go into being scared to actually go to the classes because you're looking at these monsters that are killing these monologues and you up next and you intimidated, but you push through. That's why I'm like, I enjoyed that time out there. And I still go back. I like living in Detroit more because of course it's more economically sound, but at the end of the day, man, it, LA is an experience everybody that's, that's in the arts should actually experience. So during that time when you were out there, you did, when did you go to Cape Town? Was it during that time? I went to Cape, yeah, I was living in uh, South Africa, I mean, uh, Long Beach at the time. And I went to South Africa in 2015. How did that opportunity come up? So some of my friends that are from Detroit that live out there as well, they, they put me up on game. They were like, man, what you want to try out? South Africa. A lot of... Americans, a lot of other countries, country natives and everything go there during a certain season because they film so much stuff. 
because it looks it has a west coast vibe it's beachy you know so in cape town cape town has like a beach area city area and they film a lot of stuff that shows here in the states it's crazy like over there they were like there's a prudential insurance uh commercial you know and they're specifically looking for uh americans you know over there or at least have the look and they told me about it and they were like man you should go we already went and this was like a year prior and i had planned the year before to go so they're like you go out there i guarantee you get booked for this 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 these shoots uh one of my boys used to be on young and the restless after he went to africa stock just shot up you know off of all of the footage small films that he got over there it was just it expanded his career so I talked my wife at the time into going over there uh, and she happened to be pregnant at the time. So she was already just emotionally unstable, but she was trying to support, which I appreciate forever. And just being over there, man, it's, it's a vibe that makes you appreciate everything that we have because everybody over there wants to come to the States. Mostly everybody in this industry is like, yeah, I just want to go to the States, man. Like, I want to see how it is over there because they don't have the same opportunities. But mm -hmm. going over there, I was like, it's banging over here. I got four to five auditions a day. I'll take that, you know, and I was over there six months. So it's like wow. I, I took I took everything in stride, learned, you know, more about myself over there because that's what I was doing, spiritually searching, you know, mm -hmm. for the balance, that peace on top of, you know, trying to move my career forward, man. But the experiences over there, the auditions, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So so you got so were you you were just you were auditioning, getting gigs, and then was it a, it was a um a program, right? And it was only for a certain time amount of time, or is it just when your boy sent you over there, it was like there's a lot of opportunity to go. And so what made you come back? Oh, when they told me to go, they were like, man, just go try it out. So when I over there, um I got signed. I had an agent over there, so they would you know, I mean the auditions and stuff. And I, you know, ninety days you can stay ninety days before you have to leave or actually get it extended or get some. Uh, right. So I stayed over there three months. We were there three months together, and then my wife at the time she came back. She was pregnant. Comfortable. It was hot. The food wasn't the best to her. You know. I stayed because I was like, hey, I'm, I'm starting to get some traction out here. Like, I'm, I'm booking stuff, and I think it's best for my career. I'll be back in the next three months. So we agreed on that. And what I did was just extended it, you know, extended, had to go fill out the paperwork and everything just to, just to get an extra extension on that visa. So that once it ran up, I came back specifically because of that and my wife, you know, she's pregnant. Right, right. right back in the States by herself, you know, for that long. So, right. So then after that, man, what was, what, what did you get into? Cause I know, um, you said you were doing acting classes with, um, Richard Lawson. Mm -hmm. And so is this all happening? Did that happen shortly after, or is this recent, the Richard Lawson acting studios? Yeah. Richard Lawson studios started, uh, early, like mid last year, 2019. Okay. Okay. Yeah, started uh, 2019, but prior to that, so you figure I went over to Africa from 2015 to early 2016, came back, uh, son was born in May. I was in and out of corporate jobs. Like I think in 2016, I quit like 
six high paying corporate sales jobs because I, I just my, my mind would not let me conform to something that I was gonna hate. And I've been since 2009 working so like working sales jobs because they got high salaries, commissions, great technology companies, tele telecommunication companies, commercial insurance companies. Like it was just a bunch of stuff where I was bouncing around and I could never. I can never grasp onto it. And of course that drove a wedge in my relationship and my marriage because it was more, yo, what are you going to do? You know, like you, you are being inconsistent. And in my mind, I'm like, in my heart, I was consistent with acting because I've been doing that for so long. And I was like, that was the only thing that I was literally stuck, had stuck to for that amount of time. So I just had, it was like this, man. It was, it was yeah, yeah. Job, quit, save all that money. All right, cool. Let me go back to auditioning every day, corporate job, and then it'll go back down. You know, it was like I thought I could just save these little pockets of money, and it's like, all right, it's coming, it's coming. Yeah, gotta last it, you know. But life is life is life is interesting. So talk about because you said something um, about finding that peace when you went over to South Africa, and what what were you, what was going on inside of you where, where you know you need to search for that peace. Oh, it was primarily it was the am I making the right decision? Because I'm technically sacrificing everything around me for this dream. So I was looking for that piece, spiritual balance of dealing with the way of the world and trying to be that light in the but also still not wanting to be a sheep, you know, and wanting to literally wear that wolf jacket where blend in don't seem too weak or vulnerable but then still had a spiritual battle like you are you know giving god have a commitment you know to him and also just like depression and just the 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 negativity that the world kind of gives back to you sometimes when you let your mind wander mm -hmm. so i thought being over there and dis literally disconnecting and unplugging from everything over here and getting over there thinking that I can clear my mind. I did a little bit, but at the same time, I think as creators, our mind is always wandering. Our minds are always sensitive to others around us. Our minds are always trying to do more than we're supposed to. It was just one of those trying to literally balance the pendulum, man. And, yeah. 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 So you, you talk about, the, and I know, I know how it is, man. Like, that's, that's a daily struggle for me because it's like you some days you get up you I'm like okay I want to do this you know um I can do this and other days it's like why am I doing this you know why am I doing this uh and and but and once you disconnect from it for a little while you get that it's either an idea or it's just that feeling inside of you that just won't let yeah. it won't leave you alone ever you know it won't ever leave you alone and then and and it's a fear sometimes that if you don't if you don't just go after it, if you don't try then you have to live with yeah, exactly the fact that you didn't and you know what i'm saying so it's like what was worse failing or living with the 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 reality that you never even tried cuz it could be right there you know what i mean like you you could be right there and then you decide to quit your life is good you may be happy with all this money this family, if I wouldn't have, dang, or seeing somebody that you were coming up with and growing with yeah. that were doing the same thing, and then it's like, to see them, like, I finally made that breakthrough. 
You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, damn. So yeah. it, everybody's time is different. That's why I don't I don't compare myself to other people anymore. I used to do that in sports, you know, where it's like a performance-driven uh, industry where it's like, ah, you got to do better than he did. Or you got to do better than they did. Every, you know, life is, I feel like life is in the world setting is set up to compare us to each other daily, whether it's social media, everything, where it's like their life looks better than mine or in sports, it's he's faster than you. You got to get faster now. Now, all I focus on is as a creative, just trying to be better than I was yesterday and think better than I did yesterday because I only matter. You know what I mean? Like there's no other me. So I might as well focus on better in myself versus somebody else's progression because some people you you hear stories like uh samuel jackson like how late he started in the game you know and look at him now he surpassed all like a lot of people that were uh back then who had been doing it for years and probably mm -hmm. chose something else and he just took off and then you hear cats like child stars that children kind of blow up at a young age. It's like, you never know when your chance is. So stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. That's how I'm looking at it now, man. And that's, that's been my view for the past few years, where it's just like, you hear all this stuff like, oh, my friend, man, he, he in LA right now. You know, I, I heard about the Corneliuses and I was like, good for him. Cause I don't know what he went through before he got to that right. point. You know right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Jackson, man, I know he tells a story about, being in um i forget the name of the theater that he was in but he was in the program the same theater with denzel and morgan freeman um and he he said that they were getting plucked out you know one by one and and making it and he was like still at the theater you know and he was just wondering when is my time gonna come but he just kept working you know he said he just kept working he kept right working. And he just kept doing his thing. And he knew, he said he what, what was dope was he said he knew that his time was going to come because of the environment he was in. He was yep. like, you know, I'm in this in this place. And if I just keep working, you know, my time is going to come. Like you said, it's all in the time. Man. And then like even with the whole working thing, it's like I, what I realize is is um, it's timing is it's it's uh, sometimes things just kind of come all together in the atmosphere. And yep. it's again, it goes back to it's the right time. But then also it's like what you put in too. like, I, I feel like, like you say, you don't know what, you know, people are doing, what they've gone through to get to that point that they yeah. are, you know? Yeah. And so, and it's one of the things that I'm always, cause sometimes it gets you, I see, you know, I may see some people doing films and it's like, man, they film or it, they film got picked up by this or like, why are they getting this attention? And it's like, but I don't know what they were putting into the atmosphere, what they were putting into the universe. You know what I'm saying? Like um, the, the, the sacrifices and, the exactly. amount of energy and work that they put in and, and again you get back what you put in and so I, I think that's one of the things that i've been really trying to um to to constantly tell myself on those days where i may question something i'm like okay what effort did i put in today you know what i'm saying if i put in minimal effort then i'm gonna get minimal results back that's real it's just real and so to to get stuck worrying about somebody else and looking like you say looking at social media looking at all these people it's a waste of energy hey i wanted to take a break from the podcast really quick and say if you're looking for something to watch this weekend or tonight with your family check out my feature film sincerely brenda it's free on amazon prime 
If you don't have Amazon Prime, you can head over to 2BTV.com and you can watch it for free. All right, back to the podcast. I know you, we, 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 uh, we were at an event and you mentioned it like you, you just mentioned it. So like transparently you said, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, um, recovering, you know, from, from drinking. Yeah. And so, and it kind of caught me off guard. Like, wow, man, I didn't, obviously, man, we weren't talking all these years and we didn't, you know what I'm saying? So I wouldn't have known, but I was just taken aback by, you know, you were just like open about it. And so, Man, talk for the people out there, man, that may be struggling with with alcoholism or 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 using drugs or depression or whatever. Like, what talk about, man? When did that st- did that start in LA? Did it like and, and talk about why and what was going on with you um, for you to go down that path? Wow, yeah, it's um, well, yeah, it's a part of my story, man. That's why I'm like I'm blessed to be able to talk about it, you know, because a lot of people. A lot of people do look like what they've been through. And I feel like I don't look like anything I've been through. And I'm I'm grateful. But uh it, it's it pretty much stems from so this has been I didn't start drinking until I was twenty one. So I was in college, but or at twenty, twenty twenty one. And immediately I knew something was different with me because it was like I was craving it more and that actually made me feel better about myself. But I mean that that all stems back to growing up uh, in a fatherless home, so single parent. I'm also stemming from being molested at a young age, uh, at age five. So a lot of those thoughts that were unresolved turned into traumas, and I didn't know how to uh, categorize my emotions and resolve them one at a time. You know, I was always told to, "You're a man. Ignore this. Men don't cry. Everything." So I think. As I got older and then once I started drinking and that confidence it gave me, that temporary confidence until I built my own real confidence and real self-esteem, I was pretty much just feel normal because I knew mentally and spiritually I was a bit more advanced than the people that were around me. And when I would get to talking about certain things, whether it was creativity or spirituality or guys playing the world, all this stuff, I would sound very like, you know, just, ah, this dude just all over the place, this free spirit type of talk. And most people don't want to understand that type of talk. So I would actually drink to, for once, suppress all those negative that came with, you should quit. You're not that good at acting. People are laughing at you, not with you, you know, and it's like all those thoughts that come with trying to do something that everybody can't understand or relate to alcohol was my little medication so i would it's like i didn't drink every day but when i did i would go ham like i was in college you know in college oh yeah you know what i mean you drink four days in a row and you wake up on that fifth day and you are young and youthful so you drink water all day and then by that sixth day strolling and you're cool so to me it turned into a way to literally quiet a lot of negative things that were trying to attack me because I was trying to do something that was above normal and also just different. And that's how I knew I was on the right path with acting. Cause I'm like, why is everything trying to attack my motivation, you know, and mm-hmm. my spiritual level and 
I, I, I realized early on that that was that spirit. So it was like, I actually kind of got duped, falling for actually drinking and, and drinking so much at a time because I believe they are spirits. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it does open up a gateway. So it was like, they probably were in, in uh, hell a party like we getting him because he thinks that he's blocking us out but he opening up the gateway more you know and that just progressed man it was like from on and off from like 21 to shoot early this year you know like it's been like that that roller coaster where you want to be able to drink socially but then in your mind you know you're going to take it to the next level. Like people can sit and have, like, I never understood it. Cause I'm like, people drink to get buzzed or drunk. I don't understand just sitting there drinking a nasty ass drink, you know, right, right, right. just to look sophisticated. It's like, I use that to suppress the anger from not having a father. Um, the, the adversities that come with pursuing a creative, you know, career. And also just everything that happens in the world spiritually. It's like, my, I know my spirit is very sensitive. So I do that to kind of numb it and get more hardened. But in return, you know, it was doing more damage to me. It was more so exposing all those emotions that were never dealt with. And I noticed that the older I got, I didn't have hangovers physically. I used to have spiritual hangovers. So after drinking for four days straight, heavy, I'm waking up with those negative thoughts, you know, and I'm like, they're even more heavy. Like it's, mm. it's, and it's like, it pushed me to a point of a lot of stuff happening in my life. I almost committed suicide in 2018, man. So it, was, wow. like, it almost pushed me to that limit, literally pulling the trigger, gun on my lap, uh, fifth the alcohol in the other hand, just saying, I'm tired. You know what I mean? And this, it was God definitely pushing me through by, vividly flashing my son and and like when I would close my eyes my son's face would just keep flashing so I knew I had a purpose but even deeper than that man that's why teach one reach that's why I'm like trying to really grow that because it's 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 necessary man like molestation fatherless homes are so prevalent in every community I mean mostly of course people of color but those traumas that men deal with and try and deal with by themselves, man. It, it turns into, I don't want to burden anybody else with these thoughts. So I'm they're going to resort to some type of substance or some type of uh, alcohol or, you know, anything that can suppress those feelings to remain normal, you know, and that's, that's primarily what, what I was doing, man. And I, like, like I said, up until recently, like I was, I've been straight on alcohol for a long time, but, Sometimes I'll have those moments where it's like, you get selfish and you think you have control over your own life. You know what I mean? And you can do what you want. And it's like, I'm good. And then just even drinking one day, you wake up the next day like, why? Why did, like, I didn't even need to drink like that. Like my boys are sitting there drinking for no reason. We didn't even go party or do nothing. And I don't even like parties. So it was like, there was a lot of stuff as I, I left it alone, I would, I would evaluate things around me like, I feel most happy around family, um, my son, and of course, all things creative. I don't like the party, never have, you know what I mean? And I would go just because it was something social to do, but 
after a while, I was just kind of like, yo, like if I'm more elevated than some people around me, then I'm gonna just have to lose them. I'm, it's cool, you know what I mean? So I, I don't I don't care if you don't want to rock with me just because I don't want to do certain things. You're not on my level, you know what I mean? And that's just, I had to selfishly build myself up to think that way, man. So I know a lot of people probably struggle with something, some type of vice, but at the end of the day, if it's taken away from your creativity or whatever you're passionate about, it's not for you. How'd you quiet those voices? Cause you said, you know, they would, you said they would, they would kind of quiet when you drink. And yeah, I thought they did. You thought they did. Yeah, I thought they would quiet it when I drank. Only thing I was doing was feed my ego. So I was listening to my own damn voice and trying to like hype myself up. But again, once I sobered up, those voices got louder and louder. And I'm not talking like no schizophrenic stuff. I'm talking about like the signs or mm-hmm. like your own thoughts and mm-hmm. being lost in your own thoughts. And the only way I was able to eliminate that was just cut it out. Like, stop it. Like, it's, you know, I tried the whole, I'm not drinking high liquor no more. All right, I'm only going to drink wine. All right, I'm only going to drink beer. It's kind of like, do you need it though? And that's all I would say to myself. Do you really need it? You know, and every now and again, I'll have like a glass of wine with friends or whatever. But to me, it's more so it's, it's okay to be selfish with yourself, man. You know, like, and that growing up, I didn't think that, I thought that was being like stuck up or like, oh, I'm just being like, I'm acting too good. But right, right. today we should all do good for something that ain't good for us. Right. You got to protect your energy. Yeah. You got to protect yourself, man. And like you, so you, you mentioned teach one, reach two. Mm-hmm. Um, now that, when did you, wake up and realize, okay, I have to start an organization to help um, young men that has been through what I've been through, similar situations to help them overcome this. You know, I necessarily didn't even, it it was something I always knew I would be doing, but I didn't wake up one day and just say, hey, I'm gonna be doing this. And this is what, where I'm supposed to start. Honestly, I, I was, well, my ex-wife, her, her god brother, he was like in middle school at the time. Mom had passed away, didn't know his father, messing up in school, um, not motivated, and really just on a bad track. And just like, yo, do you, um, would you take Brian under your wing and, you know, just kind of like, I don't know, kick it with him, you know, try and pull him out of the mud. You know, his mind is all over the place and he's just not going in a, I'm like, cool. I developed that one-on-one relationship with him. And then it just kind of, to me, it just kind of like brought to the surface what my purpose truly was. You know, like acting is my passion, but this mentoring and really getting the point across to these young men on how to control their emotions, that's my purpose. So, yeah, him and I developed a relationship. Then I developed a relationship with his younger brother. That grew. I was showed on the ropes on certain stuff stuff and really just give them game and kick it with them and, and try and be real and be transparent what mistakes I've made. And that just grew to like these one-on-one relationships with these young men that come from all fatherless homes, where it's just like, that was the common denominator. There was always some trauma that came there and there was a lack of confidence. There was a lack of self-esteem, you know, and I, I was just there literally as that pillar, you know, to help build that other side of the foundation back up that had crumbled in them i'm like all of y'all are kings like y'all have it in y'all you know but it was more so that 
that started to just kind of grow that idea. And the name just came to me one day where it's like, I mean, if you teach one person, nine times out of 10, that person is gonna tell at least one more person. So then you really reach two people. So, I mean, that's where it came from. And now it's just starting to grow into uh, ideas of creating a curriculum for young men that have gone through certain traumas um, and are trying to work those emotions out so they can actually grow into the man that's being not carry all his baggage. So, I mean, that's, that's something in the works right now. Um, but yeah, I was like, this is bigger than me because clearly I wasn't fully motivated to just start mentoring people, you know, like, or even trying to get through the kids. But I always saw something in them, you know, that I, that was reminding me of myself. So. Wow. That's great, man. Especially, you know, in these times that we're in now, I mean, it's always important, but now you're going to get a lot of, I mean, it's a, some of that trauma and, and, and stuff. I mean, it can manifest now because people are angry, man. People right. are angry now. Angry, so, angry, yeah. you know, and so these young men out here are angry and it's, and it's, it's always good to, you know, you could be angry, but I always, like I was talking to some of our friends about, everything that's been going on with George Floyd and the protest and, mm. and just all these, you know, racist things is happening, man. And, and, uh, I, it took me a minute to, to, to say something because I mean, it, and this, I mean, I had to unpack a lot of things just yeah. in myself uh, growing up and, um, stuff even within my own culture, feelings I had about my own people. That's your own right. Yeah. 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 And, and I, and, but I always say, I want to, be angry but i want it to be anchored in um anchored in something that's just not just pure rage and anger you know what i'm saying and so where is it coming from i want to be able to speak um intelligently on something and be informed um with where i'm coming from with with the anger you know what i'm saying yeah. and so i think what you're doing with this organization what you will do what you have done i mean it's 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 helping, you know, put that in check, that anger, that rage and, and those things and understanding where it's coming from, like accepting it. Because sometimes you have to just, I'm sure like, if you say you were molested, like fatherless, um, fatherless home, like you, you, the, the, the feelings may not go away. Right. Right. And so how do you, you, you learn to coexist with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more so you, for one, the first thing is acknowledging it, because that's what we we usually, as men, we kind of just brush stuff off and, and and think that it'll just dissolve one day, you know. So that first step is acknowledging it, man, and being transparent, not necessarily with other people, with yourself, and really transparent and understanding that, for one, it wasn't your fault, you know. You didn't choose. You can't. You can't choose your father and. You can't choose the circumstances you had as a kid growing up or even molestation. It's it's not your fault. There was something in that person, but then I still, you can't be mad at that person because who knows if that's that same thing happened to them. So I think it's a process of literally compartmentalizing each emotion and differenti differentiating if it's an emotion or a feeling. So it's like, you can say, hey, I'm feeling angry right now. I mean, you're an angry person. You just feel angry right now. So let's kind of get to the root of why you feel that angry. 
angry and then let's get back to happy. So it's literally like divide and conquer of each emotion and really realizing that's really not me. I'm not a depressed person. I was feeling depressed at a point, you know? So it's like, once we are realer with ourselves, it, I think it does open up that gateway for the positive thoughts and the beautiful nature of like life to shine through where it's like, I'm glad that happened, man. Cause I found this. Everybody's not fortunate enough to find that purpose at certain points, you know? So that's how I'm like, I, I take it now. And that's just how I look at it. I really don't let it affect me like it did before. And it's just more of, you, you, you have to take to God and from within to fix yourself, you know, and, and let your body heal. And it does take time. What you're doing with these young men is like, to get to that level, like where you're splitting, like you said, splitting the emotion from the feeling and opening yourself up, they have to trust you. Yeah. You know, and so you have to build that trust and, and put in that time with them. And did you come to these realizations on your own by just living and experiencing and reading? And, and like you said, going to God, did someone come into your life and kind of uh, you had to trust them and they open, help open you up? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was the latter. It was the uh, trust in another person, people in my life. The first mentee I ever had, I think that started in, that may have been like 2012. Him and I are still cool, man. You know, and he has since gone to college. He's figuring himself out. Several, several of the guys that I came in contact with doing well. They're finding themselves. But I think the majority of, you know, the, the people that have come in my life, it has, whether it's my son, whether it's getting married at some point, whether it's having a father-in-law, whether it's going to therapy and having a dope therapist or a counselor, you know what I mean? Like there's different components where we could either reject it and be like, nah, man, I'm still mad. I ain't had no dad. Or it could be like, yo, my father-in-law is dope. Like, wow. Hey, I, it may have took this long, but we ain't even got to pray catch up because you already have connected with me in certain ways or a therapist that understands your pain and can bring out those things that you need to face. Something like um, I was dealing with a therapist who said, you need to call your cousin, man. You need to face it. Your older cousin that molested, you need to talk to him and you need to let him know how it affected you. I reached out to him. And this is me in like 2015 or 16, you know, just five years ago, I reached out to this dude, talked to him, let him know how I felt and, you know, told him what I thought about the situation. He didn't remember anything. He said he didn't even remember doing that. And now at first it made me mad, but then it was like, that's temporary. And me, I don't hate that dude. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I know he used to be in and out of juvie. That may have happened to him, you know? So it's like, that was the purpose of both of our lives. How we use that moving forward, that's on us. So it's just little components like that with trusting who God does put in your life and also trusting what God, the obstacles that God puts in your life for you to learn from. Either you can learn or you can talk about it for the rest of your life or how mad you are about it, you know? Oh man, that's good, man. That's good. I know like as, as black men, especially like the whole therapy, Oh, I believe. Yeah. The guy that came into your life, was he like a counselor? Was he in that profession or was he just a friend? You guys created a friendship and then began to open up about 
you know, like you opened up about what happened to you and, and he helped you out? Yeah, there were there were several men. Um, I mean, I grew up with my grandfather in my life, but I, most of my family, did, none of my family knew about what happened to me as a kid. I never told anybody until I got older. But uh, there was a cat that I still keep in with. He's a pastor. And he actually, he's a pastor, but he goes about it in an unorthodox way. Like he holds church at his crib. Like he, he doesn't like the whole sitting in church all day like he's like the church needs to go out and spread the word in the community type of guy and he was a, a addict for like 25 literally on hard drugs this dude don't look like he's a day over 40 it's crazy and he's like 55 or something you know it's something crazy where you were just looking but like wow i met this guy this type of dude and he changed my perspective on you're not damaged goods because you went through something for a long period of time. You actually have aged well, kind of like fine line or, you know, something of value that gains value over time. So it, he changed my mind on like the way I was thinking about certain things or like my insecurities or low self-esteem and negative thoughts because he replaced it with such real scenarios that all connected to God, you know? So he was a like, God, God, God focused than I was, but the way we related is he was just, oh man, it's like, you ain't got to give me game like that. Like, you don't know me from a can of beans and you just kind of take, take me under your wing and like literally show me the ropes on like how real men operate. You know, and he said always, he said, I mean, you're going to be doing something powerful with your life, you know, and it's like, when you hear that constantly, it starts to resonate and you believe it. Like, I believe that. I heard this saying, I forget where I heard this saying. I don't know if I read it or heard it, but it, it was things don't happen to you. Uh, they happen for you. And I, and I, and I heard that song, but I think it's just saying like, essentially, um, like sometimes we, you know, all these things that happened to us in the past, we can allow it to victimize us, you know? Um, right. Yeah. And it's happening for us. Um, I think actually to do to use it to do what you're doing, like you're not victimizing yourself, um, and you're not hurting other people. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to build other people up and using it to um, build yourself up and to fuel you. And so, um, I just thought that I was listening to it. And I just thought about that fra that phrase. It doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. It happen to you. They happen for you. Um, but you also, I, I'm 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 shifting here to to um, I vow because. Mm. You, you said something to me, and I, let me see if I can remember. You said um, that when you first read the script, you know, is um, for the D word written by Age Vine and directed yeah. by Age Vine. Um, you said you've read the script, and then you didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and because you you think cause you were like, yeah, you know, I, I was getting your emails, but I was kind of not responding because I didn't you know want to talk about that. You know what I was doing at that moment. What was that? Binge, binge. Yeah. So going in and out of it, though. So it was like good week, bad week, good week, bad week. I was binging and I was literally trying to take myself into a hole and just um, I, I can't deal with people. You know, I can't deal with anything. So that's to be completely 100 with you. Yeah, I was definitely binging and depressed, like in a cave in my loft. Um, like it was a tomb where it was like, I barely came out 
for anything but food. You know what I mean? And that was just me, depressed, dark place, and and upset where I thought my life was, you know, even though it was actually shining bright for everything for me to see. Yeah, it was a learning lesson. So I had I did read the script as well. But as far as the emails, I remember I would yeah, I would go days without looking at my phone, bro. Like I, I was just like that that joint would be I would pick it up. Oh, it's not my son, cool. Like, or I, I haven't talked to my son today. Let me call him, cool. Let me FaceTime. We FaceTime all day. That was the only person I really was communicating with. Um, but yeah, reading that script, I was like, it, it kind of smacked me in the head during that uh drunken in and out of depressed moment. Cause I all this time you sit and you saw kind of like God, like just give me like a sign something man you know like I'm, I'm just tired of all these auditions i'm tired of stuff not falling through I'm, did me moving back to detroit was that a mistake like why didn't i come back and now i'm divorced I, i've lost everything you know what i mean right. and then i read that of course i read it and it was all, all kind of like you see something you like nah nah that, it can't be in that form nah see i asked you specifically for this this and and then when i read it again like this is actually some real therapy that i have to face i gotta face plan adam to get over this hump you know and that's that's what that's why i was like i'm doing it like it, it took some time because that's why it took me so long to do the audition video you know what i mean because like i was like hey i'm looking all buzz like you know what i mean like i can't record myself looking like this and the realness that came through when i actually recorded it I, it was genuine, uh, for one, but I felt like I could have did better, but I felt like at that moment, I the, when I watched it over and over, I was like, well, I may not be delivering the lines like I really think I know I can, but I felt like the expressions were on my face, you know, while even seeing them. So I was like, I think those subtitles are the best thing, you know, that can go, you know, and, I mean, the subtext. So all the subtext that was being displayed, I was like, man, we'll see what he says, you know, and I'm like, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. And when, yeah, the rest is history. No, nah, man, it was good. Let me tell you, God is good, man, because I like, I didn't even know, because you, so you weren't really active on, you weren't even on Facebook. And I, I, I deactivated everything. Yeah, you deactivated everything. So I, so let me tell you, my, my wife, man, like she's a, I, I call her an unofficial, her title, casting agent, because she like, <laughs> will be all online looking at profiles and and so she said hey you looking for um actor for for age of like um film like check this guy out his name's emory i'm like why does name sound familiar yeah and then um she sent me your uh i think it was instagram because you were on instagram yeah at that point because i Facebook, I probably deactivated and got rid of. Yeah, yeah. You were on Instagram. She sent me on Instagram. I'm like, y'all know this dude. Yeah. And that's when I said, oh, you went to cast together. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and so, um, I was like, I didn't know he act. And so I didn't know any, I didn't know you did that. I didn't know you was an actor. And so, um, I think I saw a few things and then reached out to you. And you sent me a reel, and then you sent me the audition, and I was like, "Yo, Age Vine," I'm like, "Yo, this is Adam, bro. Like, check out the audition." And Age Vine looked at, I was like, "Okay," 
He was like, yep. And like, it was so natural. Like you, like you just say everything you just said about it. Like it was so natural. I was like, I was telling my wife, I'm like, let's wait, check out this audition. She's like, yeah, he's really natural. I'm like, yo, this is this. Yeah. Like I didn't know. And so I was like, man, all the other stuff that you sent me, I was like, I had no clue, man, that you. Oh yeah. I do remember that. Sending you the clips and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I had no clue, but it's just crazy to hear you tell that side of the story because I'm like, God is good, man. Because again, you weren't even on the radar because I had no idea. Yeah, like I was like literally float, trying to float under the radar. I I didn't want to be found or even contacted, man. And that's it's crazy. Man, she she brought that to me, man, and was like, check check them out, and I'm like, wow, and. And to hear that, man, it's just more further confirmation. Like, cause I'll be real, like this project, I was in and out and wanting to even do this project, mm. you know, for Ival. And, um, and the way I was doing it, like I was bringing in other writers, directors, it was like taking a chance because I just came off from my feature. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I was like, well, should I do just something by myself because I'm kind of off this feature, but I think, well, I don't think I know my purpose is to, create a platform for other people like because i'm always like you know what i'm saying it's like so um this was a way to say i got some eyes on me yeah let me create a platform for other writers and directors to come on and do yeah, something pretty cool man yeah you know and so um but it was not easy you know it was a lot of stuff that was going on and and so when you came i remember on set you came it was like yo this is this is like closure for me so that yeah. was one moment right there. I'm like, yo, this is confirmation. I'm like, okay, I, I did the right thing by moving forward, yeah. you know? And there was some other people in other films that came to me, the other episodes that came to me and said stuff that was more confirmation. And it's like, here we go again, but you telling me this side of the story, like oh, where yeah. you were in that moment, man, before I'm like, wow, God, wow, yeah. So I, yeah, man, I, I'm just glad that you responded. Cause my thing is I saw, when I saw your stuff, I was like, I kept saying, hey, Javon, like, check it out, check it out, check it out. Like, yeah, so, you said you just got married or something. Like, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So he was, so yeah. he had just got married. And so, but what I, I was like, he's going to be patient. <laughs> That's what I took it as. Remember, I reached out, like, uh, you know, I don't know what you decided, but thanks again. You were like, nah, like, he, he I'm still waiting on him to respond. I was just like, oh. Oh, so I may still have it, you know, because at that point I was sold on it. I had read the story over and over, kind of like, wow, like this right here is real, you know, and it was raw and I connected with it. And it felt like God's work, you know, like, hey, spread this message, man. You know, let everybody know who are in your shoes or is on their way or who wants to avoid it. You never know, man. And just looking at the components of it and hearing, I think at that point I heard the name of each uh part of the each each part of the four-part series so mm-hmm. i heard you know the the different titles but i didn't know the script but i mean of course from the title you can kind of get an idea of like what it's gonna be about and i was just like wow like yeah. I, some young couple can sit and watch all four parts of this yeah and figure something out and communicate you know yeah yeah man no it, it came together man i'm glad I'm, I'm glad it worked out um and and definitely, man, I'm looking forward to doing more stuff with you, man. Oh, bro. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, I can't that, wait. That was, that was an eye-opener because it it reminded me why initially 
I even started doing this, you know, and my whole goal and focus was, of course, I want to make money. But at the end of the day, the passion projects that actually touch people like that makes us more rich, I feel like because you're actually spreading the message kind of like a ministry and following instruction. So just looking at this is something conscious that touches people. I'm like, this is where you get the gratification and appreciation for the arts from because you see this on screen and it touches you, you know, like the blockbusters, that's cool. That impresses you. But when something touches you, that's like, thank you. I needed that message, you know, so. Yeah, man, it was fun. I got I got to do have a little debut in, in the D word, too. And I, I would tell a little, <laughs> a little funny story is like I, I came in, I was the I guess I was the uh, the boyfriend or ex-boyfriend or co-worker of um, Ashley in the film. And I, I walk in on an argument. And and so when we were doing, we did probably, we did a bunch of takes of this. And so uh, Emery and I like get into a shoving match. And I remember the first thing, <laughs> I remember the first take came in and Emery came at me and like pushed me and like did, and I was like, Oh dang, we really okay. He for real. All right, I'm gonna have to. I, I didn't have no my feet what grounded or nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like he just came. I'm like oh, we really, really acting, acting. I'm like okay, all right. I'm gonna have to come back on take two. Uh-huh. Or, you know, rub out the little bruise on my chest. Come back <laughs> on take two, and then <laughs> be firmly planted. No man, but it was fun. I think you know, um, like again, like just your your energy and your professional and like just on set like you just got a good vibe and energy about you man the presence and i just can't wait to do something else with you man it's it's, it's like i when i when i work with actors that are just really good at what they do and it's not just the craft but just good people it's like man i just want to write something real you know what i'm saying i just want to get back out there and do something and provide the opportunity and the, and the, and the, the platform from the to um to do what they do man and so man what what's next for you what you got you got any pro- well covid i mean stalled a lot of stuff so yeah, COVID stalled a lot, man. I think in this moment right now, I'm literally just at a happy place because I get to, you know, because, you know, my, my, my son and I live, and his mother live in, in Houston. I live in Detroit. But just being able to be around him every day, all day, and I haven't been, I haven't had that close of a touch to him since we all lived together in L.A. So it's like that that's what 2016 that's four years really since he was born you know so to be around him daily that's what gets my drive like i feel like i'm rejuvenating so i love this time you know like it's been i've been out here pretty much the whole quarantine back and forth to detroit for uh, certain things certain affairs but just having that that, that's rejuvenating it's almost Mm -hmm. like we're the uh, off season you know what i mean yeah yeah all right, cool. Just rest. And then when you get back to training, you'll be more, you know, uh, revived. So I'm just taking it, you know, I'm still doing my due diligence, man. I still submit for auditions. I still do my self tapes and stuff like that. But I'm not rushing, you know, like anything that I'm supposed to learn from this whole moment. And everybody should be the same, you know, like what what's right in front of you that you got to, you know, resolve. So that's where I'm at with it, man. I'm not even... Oh, I gotta wait for my next gig. It's like, man, I, I don't for anything right now. So no need to not, you know, face everything that we have in front of us right now and appreciate it. So yeah. Oh man, that's real. 
Brandon, thank you, Emory, man, for taking the time out to, to, to talk with me today, man. My guy. Man, appreciate you, bro. Just keep keep pressing, man. Keep praying. You know what I'm saying? And yes, sir. And um, just keep pressing on that on the on the universe, man. And, and we here. Yeah, hey, I, yeah. when I tell you, we literally you you've seen that meme where yeah. it's like the two guys dipping away underground, yeah. and one guy is this close to breaking through to the gold and diamonds, and then the other guy walks away. You know, or the dude that was close walks away. He so, walks away. Yeah, yeah. It's like man, I each day I'm like. As we're here, the appreciation for it, we, I mean, we're fortunate to even have this discussion. Like this is therapeutic, I'm sure. I mean, for me, for sure, but just overall exchanging that positive energy, man, it'll come back to us. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Thanks, man, again. Thank you all for, sure. for listening to the podcast. Remember to, uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, remember to like and rate the podcast. Really appreciate it. And uh, Emery, where can they find you? I mean, I'm on Instagram right now. Um, I'm at, at underscore Emory Law. So, I mean, at Emory underscore Law. See, that's how you know I'm... I will <laughs> <laughs> put it in the show notes, too. All right, yeah. So, it's at Emory underscore Law. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. A lot of my stuff is on there, man. So, All right, man. All right, y'all. Take care.